Well, hey, good morning, Brookside. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, I, too, just want to say, if you're a guest here with us today, uh, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, and I really do hope that we'll be able just to connect quickly with you over the 10-minute party after the service today, so I would love, love to do that. Um, well, I wanted to tell you about some things that have been going on because it's just been a whirlwind of activity around this place the last several weeks and just some really fun things uh, to celebrate. Uh, first off, our high school students just returned from the Dominican Republic last weekend and, and, uh, and then a couple of, of weeks ago we had Royal Family Kids Camp and that's a camp that we get to put on for elementary students that are in the foster care system. And then our middle school students just returned yesterday. They were down in Mississippi on their missions trip incredible things happening there. Uh, and then our Mediterranean East team, uh, as we are meeting this morning, they're finishing up, and so they'll be coming home. And then looking ahead, again, I just want to give you the whirlwind here. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we start Brookside's Kids Camp. Um, so we've got about 300 um, kids signed up for that and excited about that. And then in July, we get to put on two more camps uh, for teens that are in the foster care system. So just so fun to hear the stories about what God is doing this summer. You kind of stand back and you go, really, all that's happening? And you kind of go, wow, God, thank you. A lot of people are being sent out of this place uh, to do great things in other parts of our country and really around the world as well. And I mention that to you because I always want to be the voice to you that says thank you. The voice that says to you, thank you for not only the ways that you support this church and allow us to do what we get to do week in and week out, but thank you for the ways that you give and you pray and you serve, which allow us to do special things like these camps and these other experiences that we have that literally change the, the lives of people in some significant way. Sometimes we see these trips as a catalyst to change a person's life. And um, so thanks for um, being a huge part of that on multiple, multiple fronts. Well, this morning, uh, we're starting a, a new series, really excited about it. It's called The Toughest Job on Earth. And whether you're a parent of a young child or whether you're maybe the parent here today of an older child or maybe you have no kids at all, you can remember probably how hard, and some of you more than others, how hard you were to raise, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I was, I was a pain, right? Others of you, maybe not so much, but you can probably relate to this title of the series. It's the toughest job on earth. It's incredibly challenged, challenging. You know, we wanted to spend two weeks on this topic of parenting because we hear so many questions and we hear oftentimes so many of the challenges that come along with parenting. We feel them our, ourselves. I was at the, the gym one day this past week and I saw something that made me really think about this whole topic of parenting right next to the little area where I was at were two full uh, tennis courts. And on those tennis courts, there were, there were eight young adults uh, that were really, really good at tennis. I would guess that they were probably somewhere between 17, 18, maybe 19 years old. And so I watched them for a little bit, and I don't watch a lot of tennis, but I could tell right away, these were some really good athletes. They were there because they really wanted to get better. I mean, they were top-notch athletes. And so as I watched them, though, right next to them on both courts, one on each court, was a coach. And this coach, I watched as the coach took them through different drills and had them doing, facilitating their play, and he was giving them encouragement along the way and, and just kind of really just driving them and even at one point kind of disciplining a couple of them, saying, hey, come on, you can do better. And, but as I watched them, I noticed a couple of things. One, I noticed how they were coached, but two, I noticed that these players wanted to be coached. It was so evident. I mean, these were really good players. And I noticed that they were soaking it in. That when they got instruction, they listened, they turned behind them and said, okay, great. And then they went and applied it and they, they were really into it. And I couldn't help but think of the role of a parent, but not just a parent. 
I couldn't help but think of the role really of anybody who's here today that cares about the next generation. Because as I watched the influence of those coaches and as I watched the influence that it had on these eight players, that it looked like they truly wanted to get better, I couldn't help but think, wow, oh, they're benefiting from being led well. They're benefiting because someone's taking the time to pour into them, to speak into them, to encourage them, and to lead them along the way. I truly believe that we live in a culture where the next generation is hungry. They want to make a difference with their lives. I think we do, and sometimes I don't think our mind quickly goes to this, but I think if you take a poll and you really dive into the lives of the next generation that's among us, I think they are hungry to be led well. I think they long to make their one and only lives count. Blaze Smith just got back from our middle school trip to Mississippi, and Terry, one of his leaders, posted this online one night. He said this, kind of reflecting on what was happening that day. He said, middle school, and this was the caption, middle school guys praying with and for each other for about an hour, several nights now in a row, unprompted, gives me great hope for the future. You know, I'm convinced that the next generation is looking for people that they can model their lives after. I'm convinced that the next generation goes, I want to be mentored. I want to be led well. I want to know what the older generation would speak into my life so that my life can really flourish. I think the younger generation looks at the local church and says this, I want to be a part of a local church that when they look at my life, they see a grand vision. They see and they speak it into me. God has great things for you. Don't settle. I think young people long to be a part of that. They long to be a part of things well beyond religion. You know, our mission as a church is really simple. It's to help people find and follow Jesus from the oldest person that comes through the doors. And we're so glad that that happens all the way down to the youngest. And really one of the greatest groups for us, church, that we get to steward is that group that's one day going to be leading. It's that group that one day they're going to be taking on businesses and they're going to be leading in schools and homes and government offices. That group is the next generation. And one of the things, and you may not know this, I have to remind myself of this because this is, a, this is a gift to Brookside. Each week in this place, we're very blessed because from the youngest infant to 12th grade, we get to see every week about 600 students. That's enough students. If we brought them all in here today, they would pack this place out. And what a privilege that is for us. Think about the long-term impact that God could use through 600 next-generation students if their hearts were submitted to the purposes of God. And here's one of the things that I love about this church the most. There are a whole lot of people that are well beyond the next generation in age. There are a whole lot of people that don't have kids even in that group. But yet, you continue to invest And you continue to pour into the next generation. You could move on, but I love this about this church. You have a bigger vision. When you're beyond the next generation stage of life, you continue to look at the next generation, so many of you, and you say, I want to be a part of that because I believe that God has called us to pour into the next generation because they'll be the ones that will take their faith into the future. I love that about you. Some of you who have kids that are well beyond the next generation stage, some of you who have no kids at all, You still invest, you still pour in, you still give, you still pray. I love that about this church. And I hope you hear this morning, if you're in that group, we don't reach the next generation without you. We don't reach them. We don't reach the next generation without you. And so thank you for what you do. And so this morning, again, 
We're going to take two weeks on this. I want to talk to you this morning about two simple phrases as we think about the toughest job on earth. And I want to remind you, I want to take you kind of big picture and say, okay, when God thinks about the next generation, when we look in the pages of scriptures, what do we learn about how God thinks about and how God leads us to to act and to pray and to, to give and all those things? How does God want us to view the next generation? And then what we're going to do is we're going to get really practical. And I'm really excited about this. I mentioned it to you last week. We solicited your questions over the course of the last week, and in a few minutes here, I'm going to invite some guests up on stage, and we're going to spend some time answering those questions, and I really think you're going to be blessed by that time, so I'm excited for that. Let me give you the first phrase. Here it is. Two phrases this morning if you're taking notes. The first one is this. When you think about the next generation, when I think about them, when you think about children, the scriptures would clearly say this, they are a blessing from God. A blessing from God. That statement should shape how we think about the next generation. Psalm chapter 127, verse 3 says this. It says, children are a heritage. And and that's a strong word, that word heritage. It's really kind of like saying they're legacy holders. Uh, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Now imagine going into, into a battle as a warrior, but imagine going into it with no weapon. Not a good thing. But like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Blessed is the one whose quiver is full. Now, I want to say this because I know several couples who we love in this church who would love to have kids, but they're they're struggling with that. Or God just hasn't brought that your way. And I just want to say this to you on the front end as we go into this topic We care about you. We see you. We hear you. And and we want to walk with you through that. We're praying for you. Here's what I want you to see from this passage. Number one is this. Children are a heritage. Now notice how strong that is. It's it's positive. It's a life-giving word. So when you think of kids, think, wow, they're a heritage from the Lord. And then it says they're like they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now, if you're a warrior and you go into battle. How do you look at your arrows? Think about it. Like if you're going into battle and your life is on the line, how do you look at your arrows? Do you say, oh, what a nuisance. Man, I got to carry these things around. No, you don't do that. I guess I'll put up with them. When they're finally gone, the inconvenience of carrying them around will be over. (laughs) You don't do that, did you? No, if you were a warrior going into battle, what would you do? You would say this. You would say, wow, I'm going to take such great care of these because I know how important they are. These are my livelihood. These are so valuable to me. And then it says, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman whose quiver is full of them. Let me ask you this question. Again, I want to, I want to encourage our picture of children and the next generation today. When you see a big family walking by, you're at the mall or <clears throat> you're out and whatever, and you see a big family walk by you, what do you think? Do you think, man, they're crazy? You think, unwise. Do you think, not planners? <laughs> do you think, do they know where they come from? You know? Or do you think this? Legacy builders. Ah, oh, they're smart. Oh, They're blessed. They're really blessed by God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 28, right back to the beginning. Again, shape our perspective, Lord. Here it is. It says, so God created mankind in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, and it says, God blessed them, and he said to them, 
be fruitful and increase in number. I want you then, he says, to fill the earth and to subdue it. That's my command. Now, no, know this. God would not give us a command to multiply something that is not good. God wouldn't say, I want you to fill the earth with something that he views as negatively. No way. He views it as a blessing. And then there's the most powerful, I think, teaching on this that we can possibly get on the value of children with the next generation. And remember that statement, they are a gift from God. Here it is, Mark chapter 10. This is so powerful to me. It says this in verse 13. People were bringing these little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on him. So picture the scene. Now, I would imagine that there, there was no doubt in these people's minds, I've got something of great value, and I want to take it to someone really important. So I'm going to take my, my child, who is of great value to me, and I want, Jesus to, I want Jesus to bless this child. And so I picture parents and maybe grandparents and siblings and neighbors, and, and they're just bringing the kids. They're bringing the kids to Jesus. But it says this, the disciples rebuked them. Now, we don't know why, but it was likely that they thought, thought Jesus is too busy. Jesus just doesn't have time. These children are not that important. Now, some of you adults are that important, and you should come up and say hi to Jesus, but not the kids. It says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, meaning he was literally offended. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God. In other words, what's really important, he was saying, it belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children into his arms. I mean, think about that. In that moment, Jesus literally embraced their dirty little faces, their runny noses, the whole thing. Right into his arms, it says. He placed his hands on them and he blessed them. Last weekend, we, we said, hey, it's Father's Day. Dads, would you stand up? And we prayed over you. And, and the goal was we wanted to pray a blessing on you and we wanted to honor you. That's what Jesus is doing to these kids. He's saying, I honor you. In the eyes of Jesus, children are a blessing from God. A gal stopped me last weekend and <clears throat> we had both just dodged this little girl who was leisurely and joyfully running down the hallway, you know, and uh, mindlessly, and, and this gal stopped me, and she said this. She said, hey, I just want you to know, I love it when I get to see kids running down these halls. She said, it's just the way it should be. Now, I thought about that, and I, I thought to myself, that's a paradigm choice. Not everybody embraces that. But she was saying, I, I love to see them. I love to see the next generation. And when I see them, I'm reminded they're a blessing. They're a blessing from God. They don't always act like a blessing, but they are a blessing from God. How do you, how do I, how does our culture view the next generation as a blessing, as a gift from the Lord? Question mark. The next phrase, only two here this morning, I'll fly through this one. Here it is. The second phrase is this. There are responsibility to steward. Tim's going to talk a lot more about this next week, and I'm excited for that, but kids are a responsibility to steward. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 says this. It says, start off, other translations, I think they, they say it this way, I think even better. It says, other translations say, train a child on the way that they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Now, notice this. Notice how active the language is here. I want you to train a child. Training is hard. Yesterday, we drove out as a family to Shram Park just to walk around, hike around for a little bit. And there was a race going on. Uh, we didn't know it was going to happen. So we got there. Wow, there's tons of cars there. And, and learned a little bit about it. It's called the Dizzy Goat Race. And so these runners run on this one-mile loop, this trail, and they run, get this, for three, six, or 12 hours straight. One gal uh, ran by us. She had already done 60 
laps, 60 miles. Now, you don't get the card to be a part of this club unless, one, you're crazy, but two, you train. The scriptures say you train a child. Don't just look at that next generation as, oh, they'll just grow up on their own. They'll figure it out. No. It says you train them in the way that they should go. Proverbs makes this contrast often that there's a way of wisdom in life and then there's a way of foolishness and destruction. It says, hey, lead them down that way of wisdom. Lead them down that way where they'll be blessed, the, the way of life. And then lastly, it says this. It says that when they are all old, they will not depart from it. And that brings hope, I think, to some parents. Some of you today that you're like, wow, my child has departed for a season from the faith. It brings hope to you. Now know this, Proverbs contain a general rule about how things work. It's not hard and fast. Hey, if you do this, then this will happen. That's not how the Proverbs work. But when we read a proverb like this, we go, okay, so my focus will be on how do I raise up, how do I train up these children so that they have the potential and the opportunity to grow to know Christ. So two phrases I want to leave with you. Here they are, two phrases. Number one, children are a blessing from God. And number two, they're a responsibility to steward. Um, I just, I love the timing of God. This morning, Psalm 78 in our 365 reading I'd encourage you to read your Bible. Just think about how God speaks to just our church today, just the timing of God. Psalm 78, it says, My people hear my teachings, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. And then it says this, Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us, we, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power and the wonders he has done. It goes on to say, so that the next generation will know them, even the children yet, yet to be born, and they in turn will tell their children. In other words, the scripture says this, children are a blessing from God, but they're a blessing that we look at and we say, God, you've been good to us. Oh, we want to tell the next generation. We want to sow into them. Okay, are you ready to get practical? Nod your heads if you are. Yes, all right, most of you, good. All right, um, I want to invite out now um, uh, just some special guests that I'm really looking forward to just having them have the opportunity to share in uh, to all of us today. So right now, would you welcome with me uh, <clears throat> Greg and Sherry Key and my wife, Christina. So yeah, let's welcome them. Hi, guys. Hey. How are you? <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yep. All right. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. It's, uh, we're sitting close. We're reverberating. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's great to have you here. And uh, we've gotten to know uh, Greg and Sherry a little bit um, since they, they were at Brookside for a long time, moved away, have been in Lincoln, and now they're back. And uh, it's just been it's really fun to get to know you guys and have a lot of respect for you. So excited for you, you to be able to, to share with the church uh, here today. So um, tell us a little bit about your, your family and your stories. I'll let Sherry answer that. Greg and I have been married 30 years last Monday. Awesome. So been a long time. But yeah. <laughs> right. We have three children, um, young adults. Our oldest is 27, mm -hmm. and he... Um, lives outside of Lincoln and works in Nebraska City, doing great, not married yet, but we're hoping soon. Um, then we have a daughter that is 25 and she is married, getting ready to move from Lincoln to Austin, Texas next month. So that's going to be an adjustment. And then we have a daughter that's 23 and married and lives here in Omaha. So that's great. Yeah. Awesome. And this is my 
wife Christina, incredible blessing to me. Um, tell us about our crew. Uh, yeah. Not us, like we know. Yeah. Do you know these people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have three kids. You guys get to hear about their little antics pretty often. Uh, we've got a 12-year-old named Aiden, a 10-year-old named Ashlyn, and a 7-year-old Easton. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to speak uh, for all of us uh, here for a second because um, our perspective is really ones of learners. Like many of you, um, we're just in the trenches. And uh, I think I know all four of us would quickly say there are no perfect parents and there are no uh, quick fixes and, and all of that. We're on the same journey that, that all of you are on. Um, I thought that this, uh, pers- this shapes up the perspective of a, a parent pretty well. Um, it says this, there was a young professor, college professor, and he taught a class called, uh, it was a child behavior class, and it was a lecture that he gave a lot during that class. And when he first gave it, he titled it this, it was titled, The Ten Commandments of Parenting. And then after teaching it a while, he got married, and then he became a father, and he learned a few things, and then he changed the title of the lecture, Ten Guidelines for Parents. And then he had a second child, and then he changed the title one more time, and he titled it, Some Suggestions for Parents. And then when their third child was born, he stopped teaching the class. Uh, You kind of feel that way, right, sometimes? Um, But that's our perspective. We just... uh, We come to you and just say, hey, we don't have all the answers, but we are seeking God. We're looking at God's word, and we're saying, God, how do you want us to lead our families? What does it look like when we have old kids or whether we have young kids? And so that's our perspective. So so let's dive in. Greg and Sherry, first question. Um, How do you get through the teenage years of parenting, uh, which for many presents some added challenges? And I just want to say this before they answer. Many of you submitted questions, and thank you. We won't get to all of them today, but we'll hit as many as we can. But yeah, that's a great first question. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a huge question. Um, first of all, we really enjoyed the uh, teenage years with our kids, for the most part. Um, I, and I jotted down just a few notes, and I'm going to refer to those. Um, stay connected with your kids. Um, it's highly critical that you're communicating with them. Um, create a lot of alternatives for uh, them to do things with you versus their friends. Um, with my son especially, I really focused on uh, finding things that he and I both enjoyed, mm-hmm. and um, that gave me an opportunity to communicate with him. Um, you're going to have some hard times, no question. There's going to be some real challenges, and uh, you just got to persevere through it. Um, I think also uh, speak gently. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, the Bible says don't exasperate your children to anger. Um, you're going to think they're not listening to you, but uh, believe you, believe it, they are, and uh, but speak gently and, and encourage them and, mm-hmm. and guide them. That's great. A lot of my points are pretty much the same as Greg's. Um, We were lucky. I mean, we had so much fun with our kids when they were teens. Um, It was a time of tremendous prayer um, and a lot of very late or sleepless nights. (laughs) Um, You know, they get they get home late. They're we I always stayed up every night until they got home. Um, and I think that's important because they see that, you know, you're, you're there and, and mm. they need to see that. Um, <laughs> we had fun as a family. Mm. Um, that was precious time for us. Um, and we, we started that when our kids were young. You know, yeah. we knew what our kids liked to do and, and we, we made sure that that happened. Um, we love to be outside. So for our family, that was a lot of hiking, a lot of skiing. Um, just things like that. We we just we knew that that was important. The big thing for us, I think, um, our church was so important when our kids were teens, and the youth group 
I don't think we could have done it without that. Um, it was hard sometimes, but we really felt like every trip that the youth group went on, we wanted our kids there. As many activities as possible. And sometimes it was a financial hardship, but that's where relationships were made. And um, that's what got our kids wanting to go to church. They knew they had friends. Yeah. And, and without being on those trips, it wouldn't have been as easy. Yeah. So that, that was huge for us. Um, you know, our kids were involved in outside activities, but we never let it control our lives. If they had an, a game on Sunday morning, we found there was a neighbor church that had a Saturday night service and we tried to do that as much as we could. Mm -hmm. um, it was a priority. Yeah. So um, our kids weren't perfect as teens, but we yeah. made it. <laughs> so, it. Yeah. yeah, that's great, awesome. Um, next question, this is for, uh, for, for Greg and Christina. Um, how do you keep your marriage a priority? How did you keep your marriage prior a priority, Greg, when your kids, are, you know, their activities are happening and all the things with their schedules? Um, well, number one, as, the, as the, the husband, it was my responsibility, I felt, to make sure that our marriage was number one. Hmm. Um, we never, um, uh, the kids always understood that mom and, dad's, uh, mom and dad came first and that our marriage was the most critical um, uh, part of who we were, that yeah. we loved each other and we needed our time together. Mm -hmm. um, and that was healthy for them mm -hmm. to. Uh, <laughs> we're going to dance here I, I, in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, That's our cue. Yeah, yeah. um, you know, it was healthy for them to know that. Um, uh, you know, that I, I, I wrote down they're not the rulers of the kingdom. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. When we dealt with that, that you yeah. know, you're not number one. Yeah. Um, and. Um, Support from others, we were able to use, again, we didn't have a lot of disposable income when we were younger, and mm -hmm. um, we coupled, we partnered with a lot of families in this church, in fact, mm -hmm. and we would share, um, you know, child caring services and yeah. um, just find ways to spend together. And, and I really had to pull her out of motherhood from time to time. Mm -hmm. She was so entrenched in it, and I would say, hey, I need you. Yeah. It's time for us mm -hmm. to, to go. Yeah. Um, and so. it's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say similar to you guys, we, uh, we've really looked different at different seasons in our lives as far as make, how it looked practically to make our, our marriage a priority. So we wanted to make sure that for us we were connecting intentionally and able to have some of those conversations. And like you were saying, when our kids were little, it would just be almost impossible to have a conversation. And so. Uh, lots of times that meant we would go out on a date and we would just have that time away where we could connect and eat a meal uninterrupted, which is <laughs> mind-blowing at that point. And, uh, and that was great, you know, but we also had those, those seasons where we just couldn't, we just couldn't quite swing it. And so one year, uh, it was awesome. Jeff won this free Qdoba gift card, and we got free Qdoba for a year. Yeah. And and so for us, that's a lot of burritos. It was so. awesome. Yeah. He was like, he was number one. I can hardly on drive by that Qdoba. place. It yeah, actually, it's, it's true. But you know, so here we we've got free free yeah. dinners for a year. And what we did, I love football, so we just decided Sunday night is going to be our night, and we would put the kids to bed and say, this is mom and dad's date night. 
and Jeff would run and get Qdoba, and we'd turn on football, and unless the Patriots were playing, we could totally talk. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, but it was great, you know, and if they, if they came running out, we'd say, hey, this is our night, Monday through Saturday when you guys do this, and we'll, like, work through that. But right now, this is this, is this time. Yeah, that's great. Um, next one. Uh, this is these, just really good questions again. Um, how do you structure... Um, Christine, I'll let you go first on this one. How do you structure uh, instilling God's word into your kids? Like practically, what is what exactly does that look like? So. Yeah. So um, for our kids, we again one of those things that has looked different as they have matured. So boy, we started off with great kids Bibles and the Jesus Storybook Bible, and making sure that we made uh, reading God's word a priority to our kids, and that was awesome. And as they have gotten bigger, that investment has started to pay off. They, they are expecting us to do what we call Bible time, and they, they know that that's part of just the rhythm of our family. So we are always trying new things, though. There's no, I don't feel like a hard and fast, you need to do it this way. Um, right now, I'm getting the verse of the day from version, and we read that in the car while we're driving um, and talk through it. And sometimes it's a simple, that's really great, let's, you know, go about our day. But more often than not, it ends up leading into this really great, healthy discussion where we're looking not just, let's get smarter about the Bible, but teaching them, this is how you engage God in his word. This is what it looks like to um, learn from the Lord and be sensitive to how he's speaking and moving in our lives. And, you know, with that even, um, one additional piece that we bring in during these times, like say in the summer when the kids have a little bit more margin, um, we will dive deep into say First and Second Samuel and look at David and his life. And um, this summer we're doing Exodus. So looking at Moses and his life. And the reason that we do that is I feel like if you aren't familiar with some of those stories, you know, you might look at the Bible and say, oh, it's filled with these perfect people who never screwed up ever. And then there's me, and how would God ever work in my life? And our kids hear these stories, and I, I kid you not, there are times that they say, did they seriously do that? Are you kidding? They really did that? <laughs> and God still used them? How in, what in the world? And it's so great, you know, to say, look, <laughs> there is nobody, right, that, and nothing that you can do that creates this distance between you and God and the things that he can do in your life. So it's an opportunity to say, we want to build big faith in a big God. That's great. I think the other piece of that is just the, that she's really good at even kind of thinking through that structured stuff. Um, the other side of it, I would say, is just the overflow. Um, so like if God speaks to you in the morning through what you're reading or in the evening, whenever you do that, um, don't keep that to yourself. Share that with your kids. So sometimes at dinner table, the dinner table will say, hey, how might you have seen the hand of God at work today? And and I'm usually asking that question on a day when I've seen the hand of God at work, right? And I want to talk about that. I want to share that. Um, so just kind of the overflow, like what comes from you? More, more is caught than is taught on that. Um, Sherry, if, this is a great question. Um, if you're a Christian but your spouse is not, how do you raise your child in a way that leads them to Christ? I was raised in a home where my mom was a very strong Christian, but my dad was not. Hmm. Um, you know, it was okay if she took us to church, but as a really young child, we just didn't go. I think it was just easier for her at that point. But as I was in elementary school, um, she made sure we got to, to Sunday school. Um, sometimes she would just drop us off even and go home. But she made sure we were there. Um, it wasn't always easy, but, but she did it. Um, 
we always, mm. always knew that our mom prayed for us. Mm. Um, she still, um, you know, she's, I don't know what we would do without her. Yeah. Um, she's reaping the benefits right now of all of those years of, yeah. of prayer because it was hard. Yeah. Um, she lived a hard life. Um, home was not easy. Mm-hmm. But wow, you know, her prayer life. And, mm. and she, she had so many great friends that partnered with her that as children we are still close to today. Mm. Um, she didn't try to do it alone. Um, you know, she had God, but she also had other people around her. Um, so if you're in that situation, I would encourage you mm-hmm. to find people to go alongside you because you'll do it. You, you, can, you can do it. And, um, you know, my mom is in the process of moving right now. She's had some health issues. Her kids are there for her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we love her, we love Jesus, and that's all you can do, right? My brother is not a believer, but he's there right now. Mm-hmm. He, he drove from Colorado yesterday. He knows mm-hmm. that my mom prays for him. Um, you know, she didn't probably go to church this morning um, because he's there, but he also knows that that's where her priorities are. Right. Um, but she spends time with him, she loves him, yeah. lots of phone calls. So that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg, how do you uh, teach values and morals while maintaining the simplicity of the gospel through Christ alone and not promoting a legalistic life? Um, How's that for a question? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a that's a tough question. Um, and as I thought about that, I I was raised and I've been a I was raised in a godly Christian home. Um, that's all I ever knew. My grandparents were believers. My grandfather was a pastor and um, actually had a lot of legalism in, from a faith standpoint um, in the family. Just with grandfather was a Quaker, um, which is, if you know that that, it's very legalistic. Hmm. My dad was influenced with that. So I grew up with a lot of that legalism and um, that whole thing about never being able to measure up to what I thought God wanted me to measure up to or what I, what I had to do. Hmm. Um, and I, I probably rebelled against that some. Um, but as I was raising my kids then, I was more inclined um, to think about the relationship that um, I have, that my Heavenly Father has with his people, with his children, hmm. and how do I model that to my kids. Yeah. And... Um, and let everything else kind of take care of itself. Um, you know, be Jesus to them. It's kind of cliche sometimes, but, you know, let, let your kids see Jesus in you and the way that you respond to them and the way that you um, react to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think finally, um, you know, there are absolute truths in the Bible, and um, very few of those truths are legalistic kinds of things. Yeah. And your kids need to understand that. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's really good. It's about relationship, not yeah. what are the things to do. That's great. Yeah, Christine. Yeah, um, really to tag along with that and say, I think legalism, you know, when we look at it and say, it's we want to keep these rules because in them we think that's where relationship with God comes from. And realizing that is not true. And that's something I think that, 
is this true for me to have to preach to myself every single day the truth of the gospel and to make that also relevant in my kids' lives to say relationship with Jesus is not about what I do, nor is it about what you do. Relationship with Jesus is about what he has done in paying the penalty for our sin and giving us an opportunity to connect with God. And so, right, when we do good things, you know, and when we do what we would consider bad things, like God's love for us in Jesus is always there and it's always true. And so that, it's that healthy relationship um, with God through, through Jesus. That's great. Uh, next question. Uh, what is the best time to have the talk? You all know the talk, right? right. Um, any pointers on what to say? I was hoping that this question could wait till middle school, but feel it needs to be addressed sooner than later. Um, I was hoping no one would ask, actually. Um, and so I'm going to be real brief because we're running out of time. But um, <laughs> thank, thank God. Yeah, that's a, I didn't realize that until now. What a gift. It's 10.05. Um, but our mentors were great on this, and uh, our perspective might be a little different than what you normally hear. Uh, we would say this early and often, early and often. Um, I hear couples all the time, couples that I deeply respect, um, that have the talk, and that's it. And uh, we would say, man, don't just have, let me think about it. Would you ever just have one talk around something so important that would impact the rest of your life? You wouldn't. You would have many talks. And um, I, I think you got to look at it like this. If the, if the, the, the tenor of scripture is negative toward intimacy between a husband and a wife, then treat it like that, like it's icky, like it's taboo, and run from it, say that the, the stork brought the kid or whatever you say, right? But if it's like, if you read the Bible and you go, and it's in there, sometimes you read the Bible on this subject and you go, wow, that's in there, right? Um, but here's the thing, if it's good, and the scriptures would say it is, and it's encouraged, and it's healthy, and it's right, then treat it that way with your children. And age appropriately, obviously, um, but early and I think often. Um, let's equip these kids to have a healthy view of, of sexuality. So, um, so that's how I would, would want you to think about that or encourage you at least to think about that. Um, okay, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. And uh, I just want to ask you guys one parting shot. If you had one thing that you would just say, uh, if you could leave one thing uh, for these parents here today. We'll start with you, Greg, and we'll just work our way around here. Okay. Um... Let's see, one thing, um, I guess I'm just going to read a passage, uh, a, a verse from Ephesians that I've carried with me through raising kids, um, and I'm going to read it from the message. It's Ephesians 6, 4. Uh, Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Mm. And I, I think by default you can read that, fathers and mothers. Mm, yeah. um, do not provoke your kids to anger. And uh, I think that's, that's huge. Yeah, that's great. Sure. Um, I think my parting words would be use those people around you mm. um, to guide you. Um, you know, I was involved in MOPS, which is Mama's Bunch now. We've been involved in life groups. Um, we've taken lots of trips with other families. We, mm. you know, did family camp with a lot of people in this church of varying ages. So our, kid, our young kids were with kids that were teenagers, and that is invaluable and just showing your kids models for what they, they can do as, as they grow up. Um, and, and even still today, you know, just surrounding yourself with people around you that, yeah. that can be a model for you as well as for your children. I think yeah. that's huge. Find a mentor. Find somebody that you can really mm. partner with. That's so, great. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I would say I do. I thought this series was very aptly named The Toughest Job on Earth because parenting is so hard. And I find that for me, it takes me to that place of I don't know what to do. I, I am at the end of myself, often in tears and saying, I don't, I don't know. And uh, it is in that really sacred place at the end that you have an opportunity to turn to Jesus and say, I need you. And know that that's a prayer that God loves to answer. Um, my background, you know, my some of you have kind of heard parts of my story. I didn't grow up in um, a Christian home, nor and pretty like a pretty challenging um, environment. And in from this broken place, I have learned to look to God and to say, I have to have you. Um, I have to have you help me raise these kids to know you. And I think that that's the you know for all of us to say no matter what, you know, we're continually looking to Jesus for his, his leadership um, mm. of us and, and partnership with mm. us. That's great. And then I would just say, um, forgive yourself. Um, I, think, I think lots of times as parents, um, we understand how God forgives us, but um, I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago. He was in tears, and he's, he's a new Christian, but he's making so many incredible strides with his life, but he said, I just I have so many regrets. And, and I just thought to myself, I think we, we need to receive not only God's forgiveness, but we need to forgive ourselves. And sometimes we need to say, you know what, I'm going to move on. And, and I want to just encourage you with this. Church, you can be incredible parents. Church, you can be incredible pours into the next generation with or without kids in Christ. And I think we can rest, uh, rest in that. So, uh, Greg and Sherry, thank you guys so much, Christina, for joining us. And uh, these guys are going to pray for us. And, uh, and then Rob will come out. So, yeah, go ahead. Be great. Father God, I just thank you for the blessing of children, for the blessing of families. And I just thank you, Lord, that um, there's so many people willing to walk alongside of us. Grandparents, friends, other family, youth workers. Um, without them, this job would be so much harder. And um, just thank you for the prayers of these people, for the time that they give to our families. Um, I just pray for the hearts of our families and our children that um, our children can know you and, and love you with an everlasting love. And Father, I, uh, I just thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to, to be here this morning and to celebrate our children and to um, recognize that they are indeed blessings from you and that uh, you give us uh, your word uh, to help us raise those kids and um, I just thank you that, uh, that um, for the wisdom that's available there and um, just pray that you would um, uh, give each parent in this room, Lord, the energy um, and the wisdom to necessary to, to raise their kids so that um, when they experience uh, uh, your knocking on their heart that uh, their kids are ready to open that door and, and uh, build a life and a relationship with you. And, uh, Lord, these kids uh, that you've given us are the future, and they uh, will carry um, your word into that future, and we just thank you that uh, um, you're there to help with that. So I just uh, thank you again for uh, your grace and your mercy that uh, you uh, uh, give to each of us as we fail, and I just pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, guys.